Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. I didn't do myself any favors last week trying to set up the question. Because uh, it was a little uh, complicated and uh, wordy. Thankfully, Cassie, you once again have uh, made it a little easier on me. <laughs> making it uh, succinct. I um, was trying. <laughs> I did you no favors, so I owe you. Um, I'll edit to my tab at least a dozen okay. favors. Um, so I, last week, if I interject, yes, what you're saying ahead. is a woman made some a woman simplified something a man made overly complex. One hundred percent. That's what hmm. I'm saying. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Golly, that's never happened in history, has it? <clears throat> never. <clears throat> Continue, Pat. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, last week, the NWHL kicked off their bubble and their Twitch streams. And during a game, uh, for former and hopefully future NHLer JT Brown donated. 71 Twitch bait subscriptions in their chat in honor of Metropolitan River Sonora Tinker and her jersey number 71. So I asked, which NHL player would you like to see donate a significant number of subscriptions based on, we could say either a jersey number, a milestone number, or just something fun? Gretzky. Go ahead, Patrick. Gretzky, total points in the NHL, including playoffs. And what's that number? A big one. <laughs> I was I was told that we were not doing math on this show. <laughs> it begins with a three. Once yes. mm-hmm. the, right. And there's uh goes to the thousandth place. Yeah. So so uh, um I went with with minutes played for goaltenders in the NHL, Mark Andre Fleury is creeping up on his fifty thousand minutes in the NHL. Nice. Okay, now you're talking. He's at he's at forty nine thousand one thirty nine right now. Active players. Hmm. I had uh, gone down the road of. Uh, there are two former NHLers who are currently head coaches in the NWHL, but those numbers just weren't quite high enough for me. Paul Mara and Colton Orr are the two uh, former NHLers who are currently NWHL head coaches. Both of them have lots of penalty minutes and games played, but they didn't reach. They didn't. They didn't get to the Mark Andre Fleury level. So that's that's. Uh, that's where I went. So I uh, left off last week. We usually have a little, you know, post-show wrap where we discuss things we don't want to talk on mic. And sometimes just we'll kind of spitball some ideas for answers for this question. And I would have immediately thrown out Alex Ovechkin owes 708 subscriptions based on that's his current career goal total. And then maybe every time he scores a goal, he has to, you know, offer up that number. Um, I think John Tavares needs to be a good captain and a good Ontario boy and lead by example and get him and the rest of his teammates all to donate 1,967 subscriptions each. Mm. <laughs> now, if he did that, would that satisfy the last condition of the UFA deal? I mean, because he obviously got he got the leaps to make a pajama-looking um, uniform, as they demonstrated in last night last night's games, they basically had like slankets. They were wearing slankets last night, which I think was part of the you know, hey, you know, adult pajamas, we got them for you. You know, we can make them for you. If you come here as a UFA, come on, come on, Johnny boy, we'll make you some new pajamas as an adult you can sleep in. <laughs> and we and we heard there's some new Star Wars movies, so we'll find you a new clock. 
I, lo- I always love the 1967 jokes. So a friend of mine used to teach networking. And uh, he was showing people how to set up. He went to Toronto, actually, and was showing people how to set up um, subnets. And he kept he kept putting the, the first drop as... First address is one nine six seven dot you know one nine six dot seven dot zero dot zero. Oh, and that when, is that is too good. And he waited to see how many he waited to see how many of them got it. <laughs> see, my favorite is nineteen ninety three. That's the nineteen ninety three jokes are my favorite because then you get all of Canada in that. I get silence. You guys know what 1993 means, right? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I was quickly looking up and running an image through last night's uh, pajama game to make sure, you know, the colors were accessible for viewers of all types uh, because I'm a nerd. And yes, I have color accessibility tools on my recording machine. Um, there is uh, also a movie called The Pajama Game, just so you guys know. Is that safe to Google? Yes, actually. Okay. It's a, it was a Broadway musical, and they turned it into a movie. So, yeah, it, it's safe. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, I, I couldn't comment because I had my mouth full of something that I was trying not to spit out. Because <laughs> you made me giggle. Because <laughs> you, do get all of, you do get all of Canada, right? The Leafs mm-hmm. fans are, like, still going to be just absolutely beside themselves because of, you know, the high stick, and the Habs fans are going to be like, yeah! <laughs> well, Which will make it only well sweeter when Winnipeg is the Winnipeg is the team to, to break the uh, 1993 drought and win the cup first. No, not Winnipeg, no. Ottawa! <laughs> Either or, we we, we okay. can we can clearly eliminate Vancouver, Toronto, and Montreal, and, and Edmonton. Edmonton, Calgary just isn't as fun. So, I, I I'm here for arguments on both sides. I'm here for arguments on all four sides. Because that's all anybody's charts show, right? Or four quadrants. If there, ah. if there weren't four, they wouldn't be quadrants, dummy. <laughs> you got he me again. <laughs> <laughs> lawful good, lawful neutral. You know, technically there's a fifth, but you know, fifth plot point. Because uh, oh, 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 don't don't get <laughs> don't give any of the stat nerds out there any ideas. Especially you, McCurdy. You change up your graphics all the time and drive me mental. Anyway, has anything happened today in the hockey world? Uh, The Sabres and the Devils played a really fun game earlier. Yeah, that McLeod go-ahead goal in the third was uh, pretty nice. And... um, NWHL had a couple days off because, you know, there was a COVID scare and the whole uh, Metropolitan Rivers team unfortunately had to uh, basically uh, resign from the tournament. Then for whatever reason during, I think it was one of the Metropolitan games early last week after we recorded, uh, there was someone doing the wave in the stands with the cardboard cutouts. And I think, thanks to the events of today, uh, I think we can all say uh, waving the wave in hockey is officially uh, uh, chaotic good for all us hockey fans. Wouldn't you guys say? I don't care what you... I love you all. I do. I don't care as a grown human being what you do at hockey games. If you want to do the wave, do the flipping wave. I, I love that they did it. Yep. And I think, you know, I think Jeff Gordon agrees with you, and he decided to wave a player today on his uh, New York Rangers roster. And oh. I think that I think 
God. the hockey world is going to be a better place for it. God. Did you not see yeah. that setup coming, Patrick? I mean, uh, he said pre-show he had a segue and to get to, us to the topic, and I and, wasn't thinking you were going there. Uh-huh. Um, and to borrow a phrase from Jeff Merrick, uh, long walk, short pier on that one. Long walk, short pier. Oh, dear God. I walked right into it. And just blindly, too. It was beautiful. I mean, I could tell from your silence, Cassie, you knew exactly what I was doing the whole time. I'm kind of surprised. I I was expecting groans after that one. I I was trying so hard not to giggle when you were setting it up with the whole wave thing. I'm like, ah. In my defense, I was reading something else while we were talking. I was reading about the, uh, (laughs) they got quotes from all five Oilers that were on the ice when McDavid scored last night. So I'll let it go. It's okay. Wow, they actually recalled what happened. They didn't blink their eyes and see the goal light go up because that was a goal. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, yes. Now that I now that I have submarined your segue, <laughs> uh, I got nothing. <clears throat> Rule number one, don't punch your own team's goalie. Forwards, defensemen, depending upon the circumstances, uh, a little more acceptable. Especially after, after hours. <laughs> yeah, especially after you got walked again. Uh, I believe uh, when you were on the ice for four of five goals against for your team, it's not on the goalie. Especially not on the backup goalie that night. (laughs) Yeah. And I think we can, on the date that we're recording, January 31st, we can call this um, International Goalie Appreciation Day, too. damn shame that goalies technically can't wear the captaincy because I, I think as I've seen a few people on Twitter say anybody that punches D'Angelo should get to wear the C that way it just <laughs> it just would have been like a lineup right <laughs> and that's and, and, and that's even before you get to his politics right we're just talking about how he treats other teammates and how he plays yeah, he just needs to grow the F up. I mean, seriously. Such an immature jerk. Uh, and somebody posted an interview they did with his father from like 2014 or 15 or somewhere in there. Yeah. Who basically just, you know, reiterated, hey, he grew up using slurs all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. Like and, apple didn't fall far from the tree there. Yeah, it really didn't. And I'm just sitting there going, how would you like it if I, you know, if I transported you back to 1920s New York, where, where Italians were second or third class citizens, huh? How much they fun weren't would you considered have then? white people. Right. How much fun would you have then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that that or fortunate, it depends on how you look at it, I suppose, that no one will pick him up off waivers. Even if they happen to agree with his politics, he's just too much of a PR risk to bother. I if 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 it was just if it was just the politics, somebody might do it. It's right. the rest of it, right? Yeah. Politics has nothing, uh, and I know this is going to be a touchy subject, and I don't necessarily agree with it, but at the end of the day, politics has nothing to do with you being a POS human being and, mm-hmm. and you know, denigrating your own teammates. That's, you know, that's where I think other teams are going to be like, 
Mm, no. You know, you've crossed the line on that one. Because obviously you've seen political views which are... How do I put this politely? Oh, screw it. Political views which are idiotic and moronic from players on teams throughout the NHL. And the teams are just like, mm, you know, okay. I'll still sign him because he's good in the room, right? This guy's got like, you know, they say there's the five-tool player in baseball. This is the three-tool tool. <laughs> he's not very he's not very good defensively at hockey. He runs his mouth and completely just is a D-bag to his teammates. And he's, you know, so far right on his politics that uh, I got no metaphor for that one, and I'm going to stop trying. <clears throat> There's like a quote that's like, I, and I don't remember who it's by. It's uh, something along the lines of, you know, if you run into a person who is a, who is a jerk once every once in a while, then they're the asshole. If you run into assholes everywhere you go, you are the asshole. <laughs> and I'm like. Bet you if you talk to Tony D'Angelo, he would tell you that everybody's an asshole. <laughs> you get back what you throw out, right? You really do. You know, and that's ultimately what it is. You get back what you throw out, and and I'm I hope to God he clears waivers, and I hope to God they buy him out, and I hope to God he sits for a year, and then ends up playing in Europe. Go to the KHL; they'll tolerate that. Yeah, well, of course they've they've got Slava or um, yeah, what's his what's his the wife beater? Well, I guess I should clarify which one of the white. <laughs> I'm like, wait, <laughs> the, I, the LA King, former LA King guy. <laughs> Slava Voyanov, and yeah. I mean, I was gonna go. They have Bill Peters too, and then you said wife beater, and I was like, well, that rumor's never been confirmed or. <laughs> Yeah, well, not with no. I don't think that one is out there with Peters, but there's a couple other. Okay, but uh, you know, a pattern of behaviors that fits patterns of behaviors of other people in society. People draw conclusions. Anyway, I draw them using my Wacom tablet because I want them to be crystal clear. Ooh, you still have one? I wish I did, but I don't do enough graphics stuff. So, how about the AHL game last night? They got called in the, what, second or third period due to COVID? <laughs> well, I like how they did the test and they played the game and they got the test results back in the second intermission, I think, is what it was. Yeah. How do you not get the test results back before you even drop the puck? How do you let a guy into the lineup or two or three? I don't know how many. I don't know what the situation was, the details. But how do you let the people that that you suspect may have it and are getting tested play? And right after I made that question, I completely forgot that wasn't there a baseball player in the World Series who was pulled out mid-game because the test result came back. So I guess that's how. You just run an inept league. Yeah. Well, it's not only that, but without bringing too many current events into focus, like outside the hockey world, we're lying to ourselves that we kind of have the whole testing and socially distanced bubble that's not a bubble thing figured out, not only in sports, but even in our personal lives. Testing is just, one, it's an inexact science anyway, but the fact that, at least at this AHL level, I know the game was between, you know, the Sharks and the Golden Knights affiliates. I believe it was played in Nevada, and it was supposedly a San Jose player that tested positive mid-game. It just makes me wonder, well, what is the timeline for testing players? Is it every day like it should be for NHL players or 
There were talks of it being every other day. This is not the bubble that we saw last fall or last summer. It's not. It's. I think things are just kind of made up no matter how many pages to a document the leagues produce. But... I mean, even if you're... They were trying to go with the everybody's an adult and everybody can take care of themselves and we'll just limit the, the amount of people at rinks thing. That was their model, basically. And the fact that you've even got just all the players on one team together is a disaster waiting to happen anyway. Because... You know, just because they may be trying to be, um, and they may not be for all I know, but, you know, giving the benefit of the doubt, just just because they're trying to be careful and not catching it doesn't mean that family members that they live with are doing the same, right? Yeah. I mean, that's just like one aspect of it, that there's like 50 million different parts and pieces and and the fact of the matter is team sports are a social event, whether there are fans there or not. And, you know, this is a social pandemic. And so, yeah, of course, you're going to get like people infected because there's just too many people involved anyway. And now we're running into. Yeah. And now we're running into weird situations where just a few minutes ago, the Dallas Stars announced Andre Sakura will be held out of the lineup in a back to back situation he and his team played last night at 7 p.m eastern time they're scheduled to play a game in about 30 45 minutes the next day uh they're going to play a game in 30 45 minutes from the time we're recording so less than 24 hours since the last game and he's being held out but he played and was around the team and surely this must have been a quick response test from this morning or this afternoon when he was trying to enter, you know, an NHL building. Well, the damage is probably already done. Things could have been were obviously transmitted if they hadn't been already. So we're kind of lying to ourselves that it, every time I read the words in an abundance of caution, it's like a new you know, bingo term that I want to see deleted from all press releases for, in the NHL because it's well, just, then, we're making this up there, as we go. And then there was, um, I don't know if either of you saw the Michael Russo tweet last night about Marco Rossi. Oh, yep. yes. And so for the listeners, Marco Rossi, this is the, I'm reading the tweet. Uh, the Minnesota Wild acknowledged for the first time that Marco Rossi's upper body issue is complications from having COVID-19 in November. There is no timetable for his return, but he'll return to Minnesota in March. How he was cleared by Zurich, then Team Austria, is my big question. So it's not also just a matter of, you know... You've got COVID and you've got COVID and you've got COVID. It's also a matter of some people are not going to recover from this, <laughs> or which we all knew, but it hasn't been really publicized in, in sports very well. Yeah, well, I'm sure that uh, say I'm sure. I don't think they knew what they were looking for. Let's put it that way. Right, because yeah. if he's not, you know, I think when they were dealing with the COVID stuff, they were looking for certain symptoms and not what he, maybe not, maybe not what he presented. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to your point, you don't know what the after effects are going to be in everyone because it's probably going to hit differently. And it could have just been that, you know, he wasn't, until we get the full story, you know, I'm speculating because I've been doing that a lot today. It's been fun. Um, <laughs> it could have just been upper respiratory, right? Because that's where it hits. Maybe he just, you know, was feeling winded constantly at practices or something along those lines. I don't know. All I know is I want to sidestep this really quick and come back to the Tony D'Angelo. Because I, because I, well, no, because I misspoke. 
I thought Shostorkin started the game, but it was Georgiev at the end. And um, it appears that it's Chris Kreider who stepped in and socked D'Angelo, not D'Angelo socking Georgiev. Mm. So Chris Kreider deserves to wear the seat. <laughs> we now return you to your regularly scheduled program. Ah, yes. And that lovely, there was a uh, image. I don't know if it was post-game last night or if it was like some Zoom availability this afternoon. But of Kreider, you can see his right hand with a noticeable bruise around one of his knuckles. And that, that just looks like a badge of honor. I don't <laughs> love glorifying the whole warrior playthrough injured mentality sometimes. That one deserves, you know, some love for sure. I'm of the, if it warrants a physical response then good for them but uh, if it doesn't warrant a physical response then what the heck were you doing <laughs> look because clearly none of the rangers as an organization any of their other responses to any of the lists of known and let's be honest dirty laundry list of unknown issues d'angelo has caused for the team um the fact that I finally got physical at this point just means one enough is enough. And the guy had it coming to him. I I don't like to be a proponent of violence, but like as a parent of, you know, to an eight and a six year old, I'd like, look, it's going to happen. You want to avoid violence up to a certain point, but there are situations in life when enough's enough. And it's the only way to get one a response and two to get a message through. So, well, I'll I'll boil it down. I don't believe he's ever faced consequences for his actions. Right? Suspending a player for using a racial slur is like, especially at the OHL level, it's like, oh yeah, whatever, you know. Yeah. I'm still going to get drafted. I'm still going to play in the NHL. Type. Yeah. <clears throat> To the best of my knowledge, nothing's come out of what he's done in the NHL other than just running his mouth and being a general D-bag. And, you know, that's kind of one of those things that I don't believe anyone is... I've never heard reports of them having a fight on the ice or anything, kind of like the, you know, the Canucks did at the start of the season or, you know, any of those sorts of things. Um, So, you know, at the end of the day, it's consequences for your actions. And Mm -hmm. if he... I don't see Chris Kreider if the if the if the story which is sort of out there now is true. I don't see Chris Kreider as flying off the handle, right? And doing it something and doing that for an unwarranted resp- or as you know doing that for something that would be unwarranted. Uh to me that's, you know, if you're going to drop your gloves and pop your teammate, that guy has obviously done something that's deserved it. Because that whole team, team, team mentality, right? You put up with a lot of different people in D-bags on your own team. Um, because of the team mentality, you'd never go hang out with them and have beers with them. But so long as, you know, they keep their dog pooping in their own yard, you can live with them as neighbors. So... And then I, there's, I, But then there's also the fact that it happened... During a game, not in the game, not while they were playing, not while they were in the bench, but still during that period of time where they're doing game things. Yeah, it's one thing a- to like pop a pop a teammate at like training camp or maybe even practice. But in the you know, during that time period where you're supposed to be dealing with game stuff, then you know that the the, the Kreider was pushed just a little too far. Well, it appears that the, the way the, the way the whole thing is coming out is it was in the as they were coming off the ice in the hallway. Um, after the end of the game, the two um, Georgiev and and Tony were getting into it because apparently there they you know there was a miscommunication type thing, and I guess D'Angelo just stepped way the hell over the line and. and 
Carter probably said enough's enough with you. But I like the statements from the the Rangers are such a troublesome organization because they promoted the hell out of him. They let him do his podcast. They kept enabling him, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then now they say, you know, it wasn't about one incident type thing. You know, Quinn's statements today were, you know, basically it wasn't about, you know, one specific instant or, or incident or anything. And I'm just going, okay, so if that was the last straw, what did the other straws look like? Exactly. You know, what are the straws that he's been, other than, you know, the stupid stuff on Twitter from him, which it's Twitter, so stupid and Twitter is just synonymous. Um, what else might there have been? You know? And and then the then the little carrot he threw out sort of the to the end towards the end of that press conference saying, you know, we'll see what happens on waivers and you know, then we might be able to share some more details and I'm going <laughs> You're hoping he doesn't get claimed so you can throw him under the bus, but if he does, your response is gonna be it wouldn't be fair for us to to talk about, you know, a player in another organization. Mm-hmm. So well, and so here's the other thing to like think about too in regards to this is D'Angelo isn't like a significant player on any team on the Rangers or whatever. And he's not like he's not a star player. He's not even like a really good player. He's kind of middle to low end of, you know, the NHL playing scale. And the Rangers still bent over backwards to, like, deal with this guy. Now, imagine what they do for troublesome star players, what teams do. You know? It's what is too far in the NHL, generally speaking, for a star player. We now cut live to Vander Kane. (laughs) Right. I mean, if if D'Angelo is is like not even someone noteworthy in terms of like his ability, what what about like you know a star player? What how you know? I just look at that and I think the Rangers really screwed that up. Sure, but this is an example of a guy who's like bottom pair defender. Maybe maybe three or four on a good day, their injuries. And and they're still doing this. Now, what if he were, I don't know, Sidney Crosby, which I'm not saying Crosby has, has issues. That's not what I'm saying at all. Just saying if there was someone of a status as Crosby, how would that be playing out? When would the, when would the public find out anything? Probably never. But, you know. No. So, uh, um, I'd say they're not. I'd say anybody that reaches that status isn't stupid enough to to dig themselves into a hole like that in general. And if they, and if a player that has a massive amount of talent does, you generally find that they don't become stars. That would be my take on it. You know, I can go with that. Yeah, because they sabotage themselves. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, because you know, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll step outside and I'll I'll do this really quick, Pat, because I don't want to rattle on much longer. Um, <clears throat> Kurt Schilling, prime example, right? Guy became a star in baseball, and you know was revered and all these other things because he he largely kept his mouth shut during the time he was in baseball. When he got out of it, oh boy. You know, then then he fell hard, right? To the point now that they're like, we don't, you know, I don't think we want him in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that to me is, I, I, if they believe it, I think they're smart enough not to sabotage themselves. That's my take. Yeah. And it's interesting. So before the news of D'Angelo going on waivers today. A lot of my mind space was taken up with the idea of quotes from John Tortorella and Blake Wheeler in the wake of the line A Pierre-Luc Dubois trade. And we hear terms about 
you know, players coming into the league that are quote unquote soft, entitled, needed hand holding as teenagers. These are both players that pretty much entered the league at 18 and 19, respectively. And I'm putting that up against the idea of all this nonsense where we're hearing through leaked and confirmed but unnamed sources out of New York. And if it's not clear that a large percentage of the people that run and operate both the league and the teams view players as commodities, as quote-unquote pieces, a nice little buzzword that a lot of coaches will use, then I don't think there's any better indication than this. They don't think of these guys as humans, as people that can learn or be disciplined. They're in cattle. A, yes, exactly. They're cattle to be herded, to be managed, to be pushed to do things, you know. And the uh, um, cattle, the electric cattle rod, is their punishment, you know. Instead, it's ice time. Yeah, no, they're 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 definitely seen as cattle. Because any acknowledgement otherwise would make them culpable in all these situations. Look, I'm not going to sit here and say Patrick Laine, because he's a great player and didn't get along with Paul Maurice or Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley, supposedly, that he is necessarily a bad player or a bad person or doing anything to the degree that D'Angelo publicly has been accused and found guilty of, of doing. But what I am saying is, the league takes no responsibility in correcting these mistakes. The fact that D'Angelo, if these problems continue to happen, shouldn't have been offered a two-year contract by the Rangers. He was given a two-year contract because he is a commodity that could have been traded. Similarly, in Columbus, Pierre-Luc Dubois decided to sign a two-year contract because he and this is supposedly reading into, you know, off-the-record unnamed sources through reports, he signed a two-year deal because he said, oh, this will make me easier to trade. Well, if he's a good hockey player, he should be easy to trade, period. But the league has just built up a system of dealing with their quote-unquote cattle where they make everything hard on themselves and they have to build on all these things that we've always done instead of scrapping stuff, walking away from a player. And yeah, maybe we have to bite the bullet and eat his contract, pay him his money and sit him out because he's not going to be bought out during the season. We'll have to wait till after the season, unfortunately. I think it's utterly ridiculous the way the players milk these contracts uh-huh. and and you're claiming it's hard to move them uh, sorry couldn't help dad dad jokes dad jokes are strong you know, if uh, this altercation happened on the ice, you might call it an ice cream out of D'Angelo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's all gelato. Um. <laughs> but to the larger point, it's we continue to do the same stuff. We, I mean, on the show, we continue to talk about these same themes over and over again. And yeah. yeah. There's some personal responsibility of Paul's on the player and and more so the teammates and the players union. Like there will be talks about terminating D'Angelo's contract behind the scenes, like immediately, and the NHLPA, because that's what they're set up to do to protect against precedent. We'll make sure that he is probably paid throughout the season, no matter if he steps on the ice for a team in North America again this season or not. But no one, none of these other players like Georgiev, like Kreider, are going to step up in the union and say, we got to kick this guy out. 
Yeah, that's always. Look, I understand it's easier for 32 individuals on the owner side to kind of come to an agreement. And it's to use the cattle analogy. It's like herding cows to get 700 to 800 players to all agree and, and get on the same page about other topics when it comes to negotiating and working as a union. But but they don't have to agree, though. That's the thing. They just need a majority. Oh, and I'm sure there are plenty of players silently who probably went the Kurt Schilling route, like you were talking about, Patrick, that don't have any problem with anything this player has done because they think and feel the same way, but they have the foresight to keep their mouth shut while they're playing. At least we hope. Yeah, we'd hope. Although, hey, I'm not going to get into that whole aspect of it. Um. <clears throat> The, the more that comes out about the Pierre-Luc Dubois stuff, the, the sort of rumblings and, you know, getting getting um, third and fourth-hand accounts of certain things, the more I'm coming back to that whole... Um, he didn't want to stay there eight years. He figured if he signed that eight-by-eight eight eight or eight-and-a-half deal that was sitting out there, he'd be stuck there for eight years. And he didn't see that team's long-term future being any good. And that's why he's not saying anything, because he's potentially smart enough to say, if I come out and blast them, I'm done in this league type thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Um you know, I'll I'll never reach the you know, I'll never reach the statuses of a player that I hope to become. And that's all speculation because I told you I'm in a speculative mood. <laughs> but you know that that to me sounds the most plausible out of all of them. You know, but everybody continues to say he'll never say it. He'll never say it. And I'm like, yeah. By the fact he's not even saying anything, and then the one time he did say anything, he really danced around and sort of hinted that negotiations were hard. And that negotiation process, even to get this two-year deal, was hard. Kind of hints to it was in that process that he's like, yeah, I don't think so, you know. You sure it wasn't wounded ego because the team was trying to talk him down from what he thought he deserved? I I don't know. You know, there, there could be some of that there, but... Because, you know, like arbitration and stuff, the players always like come out feeling awful because the teams are trying to talk down their price by like cutting them to pieces. Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's there's the the old Marekian saying of, you know, by the time the player reaches the NHL, he's heard every bad thing about his game. But that's not, you know, doesn't mean it still doesn't cut, Mm -hmm. you know, when somebody continues to throw it at you. But. I don't think as Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, even having one good bubble, I don't. I, I don't think he's. I don't think he and his his agent are, are delusional enough to think that they're worth more than eight. You know, eight million a year. Uh, I just, you know, that's kind of one of those that puts him up there in that echelon of players that you expect 60, 70, 80 points out of every season, if not more, right? You know, mm-hmm. Nate, Nate McKinnon's not making eight, no. of course, but that was a beautiful deal. Um, it, it puts you in that Ryan Johansson camp where it gets you, it gets you as an individual financial security and may set you up for life if you're, smart individual and you're working with smart people. Yeah. But then for the rest of his playing days, he's always going to be playing towards some sort of expectation, whether he thinks he's above below right at that expectation. He's always expected to be eight times eight, whatever that means to whoever is reading that fact off a piece of paper or off a screen. Ryan Johansson hasn't lived up to any of that because someone has put him, someone has put him in pigeonholed and we've even talked how it was a terrible trade for the, for the uh, predators ultimately. 
what they gave up versus what they they got is a you know it was a bad deal ultimately but if someone's going to hand you something and it if it's worth it to you and you sign it great you know you are taking care of yourself but if the other side of the Pierre Luc Dubois stuff is he is chasing to be he wants to be in a quote unquote bigger market more exposure has aspirations and I'm reading into this has aspirations to be a bigger player than just what a contract or what a team thinks of him then good well like, and, yeah sorry finish pat no sorry. the play one thing I've wanted to see is the players take more responsibility for how they conduct themselves and how they shape the league. Everything is about what the owners want and what the, the clubs want, but it's the players that make or break things. And everyone's going to complain about the, you know, the group in Toronto driving up RFA prices when they are one the focus of, well, since Lou has left, the focus of marketing campaigns, they're the ones putting up all the offense that ultimately lead to the team's success. And, you know, Mr. Moneybags is just running the show up in Toronto. They want their cut of the pie. There's nothing wrong with that in any other aspect of life outside of sport. No, I'm not going to disagree with you because you're right. It's not fun to disagree with people when they're right. I find it just sports talk radio. Um, And to to that point, I'm wondering, you know, if you're thinking long-term, is this not a smarter play for him anyway? Oh, it is. Right? Sign, Sign the bridge deal effectively, two by five get traded out of there and put in a situation where you're going to have the whole of the Canadian media down on you. You'll be somewhat sheltered behind Shifley. You can produce at a higher rate, you know, as you continue to evolve. And then guess what? In two years, you can go for nine or 10. Mm -hmm. And then presumably play in front of Shifley, who will be nearing 30 and, Like he he is in a better situation as long as whomever the head coach of the Jets is at the time sees and works with him and well and he's that wasn't a- that wasn't happening with Tortorella who tries to mm-hmm. pigeonhole and for as much as he's evolved as a person my biggest complaint about coaches they don't they don't develop players they don't get any more out of you it, it's all the onus is on the players to produce more and develop more skills or fine tune things. And it makes you question what a coach does besides stare at videotape all day. As little as possible. Oh, wait, did I say that out loud? (laughs) I heard no lie. (laughs) So, yeah, just... Taking the D'Angelo situation and then juxtaposing everything that we heard for the last week, because that was the quote unquote big blockbuster. Um, It's just, you know, I want to see RFAs hold it to teams more often. And then conversely, I want to see players hold it against other players like. If there were ever CBA negotiations where basically a player could get rid of a D'Angelo, they should be voting for that. I want to see Chris Kreider, you know, be a union rep and say, hey, I know we got to protect our own, but we got to get some of this garbage out of here, too. That That's never going to happen. Well, for quite a few reasons. And the first one is legal. Oh, And then the second one is most players in the union are looking out for themselves. So a player like a Blake Wheeler will negotiate certain things in the latest CBA that requires 18 and 19 year olds to come into the league who have grown up in systems where they've been quote unquote coddled and and just handheld and been told, Oh, you're doing all these things, right? And then you worry about this stuff like prima donna status or, you know, 
a player just needs too much hand holding when they haven't been told what to do since they were probably seven, eight, nine years old. So and suddenly they're not told how what to do ever. Mm-hmm. And they're told they're just doing stuff wrong and wrong. And it's just, we end up in chicken and egg discussions all the time. Cause it's not just on the coaches. It's not just on the players, but it's, you're not doing anything. We're just dealing with symptoms and we're not causing the, or dealing with the cause of all this stuff. Everyone always worries about pre-Madonna, right? Nobody worries about Madonna or post-Madonna. Well, because <laughs> wouldn't know what I to do. I worry about post-Madonna. I kind of worry about post-Madonna, too. Well, here's, here's the thing. Have we seen post-Madonna yet? No, and that's what I'm worried about. You know, we had, obviously, I grew up in an era pre-Madonna. And then, you know, I've lived in the Madonna and, you know, I don't know what the world's going to be like without in the post-Madonna era. Yeah, how old is she now? I don't know. She doesn't yeah. age. <laughs> She's timeless. She um, is. Speaking of pitting players against players, I'm going to pull a shoot on this before we start ranting any further. Go for it. <laughs> and collectively bargaining and throwing other players under the bus. Let's change the damn scoring rules. What say you? And this is going to be a fi- this is going to be essentially a yes or no question. But I would like to support. I would like you to support your your stance. Should NHL scoring, official scoring, change to actual to reflect actual touches versus player touches of the puck when a goal is scored? Meaning. Dougie Hamilton passes to Andrei Svechnikov, who passes to Sebastian Ajo, who passes back to Andrei Svechnikov, who scores. Dougie Hamilton is given an assist, even though he was not the second-to-last player to touch the puck. Should we normalize a player being able to get the secondary assist and the goal when scoring? This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.